Assalamu alaikum everybody on the Arabic with Sam channel. Hope you guys are really well. Hope you're enjoying this beautiful weather that we have here in the UK. If you guys are here. But um, so basically what you're about to watch is an episode of the Burr Grinder show. Um, that's a show that I've launched recently uh, where I kind of have conversations with somebody new every single day and we talk about what they're kind of grinding for in life and you know recently I had a really really important guest on a brother of mine called Habib Ali and he runs Ihsan Arabic so um so it was just so relevant to this channel that I really really wanted to share it with you guys inshallah so um so that's it enjoy the show Today's guest on the Burger Grinder show is a very good friend of mine called Habib Ali. I've known him for maybe eight or nine years now because we actually met when he was in his first year studying Arabic at university and I was in my final year he has a really interesting story of actually how he went to Madrasa in Mallorca. We don't think of people going to study Islam in Mallorca, really, especially when young, you know, 15, 16 year old boys tell their parents they want to go to Mallorca. We don't usually assume that it's going for Madrasa. But he had the opportunity to go to Madrasa in Mallorca. Afterwards came to Soas University and he also studied in Palestine as well, just like I did. So this evening we had a really good opportunity to talk about him building his own Arabic language company now, him delivering tuition, him writing his own curriculum, him even reaching students all over the world from America to Australia and many other places as well. We got to talk about some of the challenges that the coronavirus has brought about. First, educators who deliver lessons online and that versus actually sitting in front of a student as well. So we got to talk about a range of different topics and there's tons of value in there for you guys as well. So let's get stuck into the episode. Ladies and gentlemen, Habib Ali. Are you going to be like, welcome to the show kind of thing? Nope. I'll just greet you and then we'll just carry on this exact same conversation that we're having right now. Okay, <laughs> cool. okay nice. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Three, two, one, one. Good evening, Habib Ali. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum salam, Sam. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm very well, alhamdulillah. How are you doing? Yeah, good. You know, Akhi, you look like you've matured about five years since I last spoke to you. <laughs> like your, your beard's growing out more, mashallah. Like maybe it's the glasses. Maybe the glasses, is it? No, I, de I definitely feel, I, I definitely feel like I've matured a lot in, mm. in, the last, in the last year. Although I think I feel like that every year. That's, that's, yeah, that's, true. Yeah, that's true, a... true. So, so if I can kind of um, suggest a structure, inshallah, for us to kind of... Um, okay, okay. For us to cool. kind of... Um, like we, we obviously like you and I obviously have similar interests and stuff and there'll, all, there'll be obvious things that we will kind of cover but but if yeah, we can like yeah. jump straight into your work at Ihsan um I think that'll be the yeah. best and let's talk about teaching Arabic online education especially you know as you were saying about um particularly relevant at the moment when online education sort of been forced on us really as yeah. you know yeah. as, as students and teachers and um and then and then if we get a chance to we'll kind of fill in the gaps with the backstory a little bit of kind of how we got here a little bit as well yeah. um but i'd like us to jump straight into it i don't want the audience to have to wait for that so just in like just for the audience to have some context like for the, mm -hmm. the the few people in my audience who maybe don't know you and haven't heard of your work could you just could you explain just very briefly what what ehsan is and, and what you do yeah okay so um i uh ihsan arabic is my uh, Arabic language tuition company, um, which I, I set up with my wife, um, Ella. Um, and we met each other at, at SOAS studying Arabic. And after graduating, we've, got, we've been teaching privately mm -hmm. and uh, we wanted to give that some structure. Um, we wanted um, to sort of create a community of people around the world, which were linked into the way that we study Arabic. And mm -hmm. so, you know, as it is these days, you set up an Insta account, you uh, get a little website going, and then you just keep on doing what I guess people have been doing for hundreds of years, which is just teaching 
passing. Yeah. So, so when did you when did you graduate from SOAS? I was 2018. Yeah. 2018, right? Again, did you did you yeah. get to set up um, Ihsan Arabic uh, immediately, or was it a little while after that? There's a little bit afterwards. Not not too much. I was teaching Arabic pretty mm-hmm. much, you know, w- within less than a year afterwards. Right. Cool. Uh, it's amazing, isn't it? How quickly, like, if you're working independently. It's mm. amazing how quickly, like, like literally within a few years, the amount you learn about like how to deliver lessons and, you know, just all, even like dealing with parents of kids who teach, or I, I don't know if you teach kids, but like yeah, you know, all yeah, kinds yeah. of stuff like that. The amount that you feel like you've learned is, it's, it's crazy, even in that short amount of time, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's just you, you, when, you, when, you're, when you're teaching people, yeah, it's just like any other skill. It's something you get better and better at. And the more hours you put in, the more and more hours you're... And I think there are teachers who, you know, who go stale, and that's probably why they don't like their jobs. But, yeah. you know, lots and lots of teachers, they're always looking to improve, and I think that's the best state to be in. Um, you know, like, always looking to, you know... You, you, you see it in your students. You watch your mm. students improving. And then you're like, you come away from a class because you're like, oh, okay, okay. I could explain that slightly better next time. Okay. And then you teach again and you teach again and you're constantly improving. And I think experience is a huge thing in teaching, cool. you know. So obviously like teaching Arabic is, um, but well, definitely one of the challenges that I've had in my career is like a lot of the time the students approach it and mm. students, students maybe have assumptions that they have like, have about other languages where, yeah. like, for example, yeah. when we learn Spanish, like, pretty much the application of Spanish is pretty good for all Spanish, isn't it? Like if, like if you're, if you're to learn, if you're to learn Spanish A-level, like it's obviously there's dialect. Sorry? You did Spanish A-level. Yeah, I did. Yeah. And I, and, and I know you speak Spanish as well. That's why I use it as the example. But like, so like, so with that, like if you learn mm. Spanish, your Spanish is pretty much applicable for like approaching Spanish literature, Spanish cinema, even traveling yeah. to Latin America. There's dialect differences, of course, but like, but it's pretty much applicable. And like sometimes, Arabic students approach us as beginners and have yeah. an assumption that that will be the case. So like, like, how, yeah. firstly, like, how do you deal with that? And then, and then what do you deliver? Like what, what kind what kind of um, solution do you, do you focus on? Um, I, I have a very free and relaxed uh, approach to this in, in, in recent times before uh, I mean, when I was at university, I used to divide it into sub uh, categories, but I, I heard this beautiful quote, um, um, from uh, from someone who studied the dialects uh, and Fusha a lot, and he said that Fusha, uh, which is modern standard Arabic, um, sort of eloquent Arabic for people who haven't heard that term before, it's like the sun, right? And the dialects around the Arab world are the planets which circle the sun, okay. right? And that you know, there's this whole solar system of Arabic, and I, yeah. I'm someone. I'm someone. You know, looking through history, you see Fusha, um, and um, influencing the dialects, and the dialects influencing Fusha. Sure, and there's this, sure. You know, reciprocal relationship between the two, and so you know, I, you know, if you if you speak to any Arab, if they're speaking about intellectual matters, it makes sense to speak in Fusha. Mm. You know, if they're telling their child off. Um, you know, they, 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 they're going to go into Armenia. And, yeah. you know, I've, I've been at the mosque before in Palestine when I was studying there and, and they start the khutbah in, in Fusha. And as <laughs> they get more passionate, yeah. it's, it goes into full uh, Palestinian dialect. So 
in terms of my studying, to actually get to your question and, and my lessons, um, a lot of people want to access the Quran. And so I take them, I, I, I introduce language of the Quran to them, which mm -hmm. is what people may call fusha a lot of the time. But, you know, we talk about if, 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 if people want to go into dialects, um, we, we talk about dialects. I mean, I'm not, an, I'm not a specialist in dialects. I, I, I learn Arabic as a, as a non-native speaker originally myself. So I, I do tell people that my specialism is literary Arabic, yeah. I guess. But that's, um, that's quite refreshing to hear, you know, and it, that, that sounds like a very sort of student friendly approach because sometimes like, well, it's definitely the case for me. Like I was definitely speaking from my, my yeah. sort of the way that I look at it now. Yeah. It's like, like students will come and obviously when students approach someone and they, they're, they're making a sincere intention that they want to improve themselves and, and, and learn Arabic, right? Like yeah. obviously they, they don't know what they don't know, do they? Like a student's approaching a teacher and yeah. they're doing something positive like they want to learn arabic and even i fall into the habit sometimes of being like uh, you know this is what i teach and if you don't like it then go somewhere else <laughs> like, yeah. like yeah. but i mean honestly i'm like like i, I think I've, I've been weathered a little bit by it because i've had alhamdulillah i've had 500 students now on the arabic and six wow. steps program yeah and um you know so like like after that many students obviously that's the that's the people who have enrolled on the program like there's obviously yeah, a whole yeah. periphery of other students who have approached me and worn me down with questions that I feel like I've answered a thousand times. So, you know, I, you know, I, I ask that Allah keep you um, approachable and, uh, and uh, don't, don't let it wear you down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, like I say, I, I, I just want to, I, I just want people to um, know. That, I mean, to be honest, when you're studying Arabic, you can study Arabic for a year without even thinking about that question, really, like, mm. you know. You may come out after that year and think, oh, maybe I should have studied dialects from the beginning. Um, I actually once taught someone uh, who was in business and he, he, was, um, he wanted to go to, he, he, he just said, I, I want to go to um, uh, um, Qatar and I just want to impress people with my Arabic. You know, mm -hmm. I just want to have a couple of things that I can impress people with. And I was like, you know, like, okay, I'm not going to start you with, with, um, with msa i'm just going to give you some terms sure you know? you're definitely That's not cool. going to be you're not going to be saying you're not going to be saying <laughs> that right yeah but, but 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 you know i mean most students and really most uh students they, they have an interest in reading arabic as well as well as speaking it so why don't we start with a bit of you know why don't we start with ism you know sure. It's it's good it's good stuff it's good yeah. for the mind good for the soul I, I read that on your book uh, what what did you say it, it enrich enriches the soul yeah right? yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. But, well, but I... there's something else sorry um oh I really wanted to speak about with you because you you've obviously done this yourself is is the design of the lessons mm -hmm. and. And, 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 and how do you feel about the design, the way that, not just the way they look, but the way you structure the information and, 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 and how much have you thought about that in your? Yeah, so with, with my program, like the, the first like 15 steps of the Arabic and 60 steps program are kind of really dear to me because I've taught them so many times and like I, I understand how accumulative they are. Like I understand yeah. that like, if a student grasps this one concept and then they just kind of up level to this other concept and this other concept and and even though that that sounds really kind of scientific and kind of mechanical but but with enough examples and explanation like it it really it 
it really takes students from knowing like nothing up to being able to express themselves in multiple different time frames and multiple different persons, being able to describe things, being able to form yeah. meaningful phrases and sentences and stuff. And like, like for me, what I've always focused on, the thing that I've always found important is something mm. being accumulative. Like that's something that I, that I, that I really value because I, like I started writing the program when I was teaching kids, I was like tutoring kids in their homes yeah. and mm. I'd only see them once a week. So yeah. like, if you're only seeing a child once a week, you're, you're not going to be able to provide immersion for them. You know what I mean? Mm. But what you can provide them with is just one little something that they can say they get. Like you yeah. can give them a yeah. rule and you can practice it and they can realize that, that they've up leveled in their knowledge somehow in a way that's yeah. tangible. And then, and then you can leave them for a week and they still remember it if it's a thing like that. But it's, I find yeah. it really challenging to provide any kind of level of, you know, obviously there's lots of things that are really ideal for languages students to provide like that volume of immersion, have loads mm. of different, loads of different medias and stuff like that. Loads of different mm. kind of sensory stuff. But, but I mean, in that kind of situation, but that's a very kind of offline problem. Like when you have, when you yeah. have transport involved, when you have like booking a time in your schedule to come over, like you, it's much more likely you'd only get once a week. And, and if it's actually your time, but yeah. And, and some people can only do, I, I say once a week and 10 minutes a day just yeah, to cool. make it doable for a lot of people. I mean, there, there are other students who are super, you know, they're on top of it every night. A lot of people have families, they have jobs to do it around. So once a week, 10 minutes a day goes about two hours a week. Cool. And then, you know, that, that's, that's what a lot of my students do. There are people who have like three hours a week um, mm. and they really progress quite fast. Um, but, you know, there's people who do it for once a week they, 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 you know, as you said, this cumulative approach, but sometimes they feel like they, they forget things, yeah. right? This is something which I've been thinking about. I actually read this amazing uh, quote recently, uh, which, which it, it, it says that the illiterate people of the 21st century won't be those people who can't read and write, but it will be those people who, who don't know how to learn um, unlearn and relearn right so I think and this is all the information's there right now right it's all on the web right and we know this more than ever in the coronavirus time so if you ever want to look up um, the word for I don't know um, doctor in Arabic you need to learn that you've got a phone right we, we, we just put it in Bobby oh, okay very good but the thing is, is we need to be able to be comfortable learning that, forgetting it, and then maybe learning it again. And by the third time, by the, th the third cycle, you know, it starts to become more. And, you know, you don't, what's the point in learning Arabic to, to, uh, and then saying, I've learned it and that's it. And I don't need mm -hmm. to touch Arabic anymore. So when you embark on Arabic, you, you, you start learning Arabic because you want to speak Arabic, because you want it to be part of your life hopefully for the rest of your life. So yeah. that's a lot of time you can learn and relearn. And, you know, as long as you have that 10, two hours, people say, oh, I can't commit to two hours a week doing Arabic. I'm like, well, why, why do you want to learn it then? You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, so something that I find with, with my students is like always, like students quite often ask like kind of what I recommend, like what I recommend people do. And mm. like, it, it, not, not dissimilar to what you recommend. I think I usually come up with, um, that's, that it's a good pace for students to do one step a week and yeah. um, and because because each of the steps in the program is kind of like like a, a video lesson and there's bonus translation exercises and there's standard challenges and stuff like that and they're kind of split yeah. up like into a 
like you could do one part a day if you wanted to do 10 mm. or 15 minutes a day or you or you could sort of do a couple of ch exercises a day and you could do it like three times a week or something like that but what yeah. i what i almost always experience with students is that they don't implement consistency right and it's not it's not always to their detriment but not normally what the study behavior looks like of a human is they join the program and they invested a bit of money so they're like bam seven hours a day or something crazy and unsustainable right but it's like it's what they always do and i don't want to stifle them so so they, they join the program they're excited they like I, I send them a workbook in the post and that arrives like a few days after so they've paid for the program they're excited they start to forget about it bam they receive a workbook and they're putting in loads of time at the beginning and then i don't know they go back to work or like yeah. their sister comes around for a weekend and then like yeah. And then they just kind of they lose their consistency. And then I message them one day. And then, mm -hmm. so it's, I don't know, it's, I don't know. Like obviously consistency is, is a superpower for the children of Adam. Like consistency in our lives is, is so important for, if you want to get good at anything, right? But yeah. sometimes just, just from what I've watched, even from like my best students, yeah. sometimes for a really long time, if they're living here in the West, it's, it's important for them to have a program which they can, which they can revisit multiple times. Cause like, they might start learning Arabic and then yeah, yeah. something happens and they need to start it again. Like, Oh yeah. Th yeah. Th that's I mean, just, that's just what happens in our lives. And so yeah. that, that, that's something about online education, not just the fact that not just the fact that it makes it um, more efficient because there's no travel costs or time, but the mm -hmm. fact that you can create content and it can be revisited. And oh stuff. yeah. That's, that's and, the thing that I found most powerful about it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think you can also create purpose built content. I mean, like students who start with this and I have I, I, so I teach in many in 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 in, uh, in in an academy as well and I, I teach um in different physical settings but and now it's all gone online but students who come to me and most people who come to me they do my into Arabic um into Arabic uh, stands for I, I I need to understand Arabic okay. um so it's and it's a set of courses which each course lasts 12 weeks um so they, they they enroll on the course um and when they, what they get there is they get um a book called weekly reading mm -hmm. and each week they get a chapter when they can read um that material and it breaks it down it's like it's like really really well uh, organized notes cool. so they don't have to take them in the lessons if they don't want to by the way just just to be clear are you, are you talking about um one of about your curriculum at ihsan or about a physical institute that you teach at no no my, my curriculum which awesome. i wrote okay just to clarify that's cool yeah yeah, yeah. Awesome. so this is this is into arabic yeah which me and my wife wrote together mm -hmm. and it's 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 taken a long time to come into fruition because i've written it whilst teaching students mm -hmm. and for the students and it's in you know i've 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 in many iterations but i've published level one and two now um in into into very um i'm i also work as a designer um i'm, I'm a graphic designer um and so I, I i i have a lot of experience in presenting materials and so i i i put i used all that when i was presenting the arabic material and so book one yeah, it's a 12-week course. So if a student starts with lessons, let's say they start and they don't have much knowledge of Arabic, they, they just got the alphabet and stuff, then they, they get um, weekly reading and weekly vocabulary, both mm -hmm. books. So they can go back to those books after the lessons, like you say. Um, and, 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 and obviously I teach that in a weekly lesson from those books. Cool. Um, 
and each lesson has a, 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 a keynote which um, makes it very, very, I wanna, what, what I wanna do is make the absolute most of this online thing that we're doing right now, this mm. Zoom technology, etc. So I have a keynote which I've made. Um, I'd love to show you, I mean, uh, at some point, show you around the keynote. Please, um, please do, inshallah, please do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so is all I, this available on your website? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, cool. it's, it's available on my website, on the Instagram. If you, if you, if you want, I can give you a little. Uh, do you know what we'll do on, at the bottom of the video. I'll put I'll put your web web address on it, and then also in the show notes for anyone who's okay. listening to this on the podcast, I'll link it, and in the description, anyone who's watching it on YouTube, I'll link it as well. So like every, everyone will know that it's um everyone know that it's Ihsan Arabic. uk, right? Yeah, www.ihsan-arabic.com. Uh, cool. Instagram, it's it's ihsan.arabic. Nice. Um, so so yeah. Anyway, I was I was saying that they do get these materials, which they can check into and check back into. Nice. And it's and and it's it's about a lot of Arabic books. Um, I, I really have a lot a lot of respect for all the amazing work which was done throughout the twentieth century by people like Cowens, um, you know, Abdul Halim, some uh, amazing amazing scholars. What I'm doing is I'm taking what I feel as an Arabic student were the absolute golden nuggets um, mm. um, in, in, in from, from all these. And I'm presenting it in, a, in, a, in what I feel like beautiful typography, beautiful diagrams in, um, and, 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 and in a way which, you know, when I say, you know, weekly reading, it should be like light reading. Okay. Like someone, someone makes themselves a nice cup of coffee they, they, they do my weekly reading and it just recaps them for that week. So it's nothing nice. too intense. And then, they, you know, as they get more advanced, they, they have some homework. They have a weekly homework um, setting. So there's lots of materials there. But one thing I, I, I did really want to mention today, actually, and before I, before I forget to mention it, I'd like to, to do that, is this whole thing with curriculum design. And this goes exactly back to your point about people putting seven hours in the first um, period and then yeah. that dropping down on the graph. Um, you know, I feel a big part of that is inspiration and keeping people inspired. So I built this into my Into Arabic lessons. So whenever someone starts an Into Arabic lesson with me or uh, my wife, we have um, a title page and we have a quote in Arabic. Um, and you know, it's to remind people of the beauty. So they don't just hit the, they don't just come into the lesson and it's like, rajulu ila al -mustashfa. and they're like, okay, majroor, mansoob, I don't know, what is this? <laughs> okay, yeah. yeah, it's not that. They get there and they have this, sabirin. and then indeed Allah is with the patient ones. <laughs> and I go a step further. So let they, I ask them to read that quote. And they, 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 they read it often very beautifully because um, people really, you know, one thing that's amazing I find about Arabic is many people really get good pronunciation um, very towards the beginning of their studying because they've studied the Quran already. Mm -hmm. So they read that, sabirin. And, and okay, I say, what does it mean? And they say, uh, indeed, Allah is with the patient ones. And I say, and especially if they're younger, um, but also if they're older as well, I say, okay, so, so let's, let, we, we, we know our grammar now. Let's, let's look at that. So what does, what does it mean to be with? 
in English. Let's start off. What does it mean to be with? Does that mean closeness in proximity? Does that mean standing behind someone if they need them? What does that mean? What does with mean? And we create a little, very, this, this only lasts two or three minutes, but we create a little um, cloud on, on, the, on the board, on the slideshow. And then I say, okay, what does it mean to be patient? We talk about the meaning of sabr in Arabic as not just meaning patience, but also endurance. Mm -hmm. That's why some translators have used the word steadfast. It's yeah. the ability to physically endure the dunya as, as well as being patient and, and knowing that there's a reward. So we talk about that. And so suddenly by the end of that two or three minutes, the students are inspired by the beauty of the Arabic language that they're ready to do those jumla ismiyas, jumla <laughs> for one hour, right? And that, and, and that keeps people. And I, since I started doing that, I've really noticed, like you say, people, that inspiration lasts a lot longer. That's really so, yeah. powerful. That's really powerful. You know, something that I think really does go a long way, like a, a, definitely when there's kind of printable stuff, but it, it's also really powerful online, as, as you're saying, like actually making things like aesthetically pleasing. Like you're talking yeah. about even having you know when you're talking about having bubbles around stuff when you animate things or when you analyze things and stuff and then like mm. you know implementing good quality graphic design like i don't know if you know of a, a company that do um, islamic studies books for children called suffer yeah, um, suffer yeah, publications yeah. so like their books are beautiful like, oh yeah, like, yeah. I, I actually know one, one of the brothers that i've had on the had on um, my podcast before a brother called shaheen or rahman i don't know if you saw mm. his episode but he works for them like he's okay. like he's involved in writing curriculums for Safar. And he was yeah. telling me like like those guys really care about making them beautiful. Because honestly, I remember like down here in Cornwall, I remember when we kind of set up our madrasa for the children here. And yeah. just of all the all of the resources that existed for Islamic education for children, the Safar mm. publications were just head and shoulders above. Just because oh, yeah. they're, they're absolutely beautiful. Like, so it, it's yeah. so worth doing that stuff. Like, I, I don't know if you've seen any of the Somali stuff that I've done for children recently. Like, I've, but because we're on lockdown and stuff, and because of the coronavirus, I created this really small little project just called Somali on Lockdown. Okay. And like, and like I just designed little bundles of resources that people could print at home and they mm. just little games that they could play with their kids to help them learn Somali. Like yeah. some of them are so simple. Like there, there are loads of just flashcards with pictures. There are loads of like speech bubbles with useful phrases. Um, mm. I even created a, um, like a little board game called down the Shabelle. Shabelle is a river in Somalia okay. Um, okay. where you kind of had to answer questions about Somalia to move along and, and stuff and that kind yeah. of thing. But like just spending the time, like I'm not a designer, do you know what I mean? But like, yeah. but, but just taking the time to make it look, to make it look nice is, um, I don't know, that's something really powerful, inshallah. But, um, oh, yeah, yeah. People no, I, underestimate I, it massively. Absolutely. And, you know, people, for me, education is design, right? If you're, what you're, as a teacher, you, you, might, you might say you're not a designer, but I think a lot of your job as an educator is a designer because design is putting things together with a purpose. So your purpose is to make learning Somali the most easy and manageable and rewarding for your students. So you choose to put this thing first mm -hmm. and then that thing, that, that, that word later, you know, I, I, I start when the first 10 words that I teach people in Arabic, I've designed them. I've chosen, I've put kitab in there um, because it's something that they're going to use straight away but I've also um, put a word in there like sayara. 
so that they can see that feminine words are not just things related to female people. But then I've also put bint in there, so they know that ah, there's feminine words in Arabic which are feminine by a meaning, mm -hmm. and not just because there's a tarmabuta at the end. So I've thought very carefully about each 10 words, that's design. And then you take it a step further and each keynote slide, I use a grid method so that people are drawn, the focal points are the most important, um, um, the, the most important thing, the, the thing that they focus on the most. This for me is Ihsan in, in that I always, this is why I called it Ihsan because I, I, I mean, humbly speaking, we'll never, uh, achieve, uh, we'll never do enough, but we're, we're always aiming to be excellent. And if you look at the, you look at the Islamic culture and Islamic societies, you know, when they were building, when the Muslims were building the Alhambra um, or, you know, these, the blue mosque, they weren't like, oh, you know, we'll just do it in black and white, it'll do, you know, they weren't like, oh, we'll just print it off. And yeah, the, the Arabic typeface is a bit off on that because we haven't worked that Arabic typeface out yet. So mm -hmm. um, the letters are all jumbled. Ah, oh, yeah, we'll forget it. You know, when they were building the Blue Mosque, they made that building so, so beautiful. They, they made it in Syria. I've heard that the wudu taps in the mosques uh, were designed in such a way that they saved the water. Um, so, you know, you see all this beautiful design in the Muslim world and that's what inspires me when I'm building my course. Mm. Um, so that students come away. When you come away from a place like when we were in Palestine and we went to visit, uh, I, I remember you telling me about this as well. And then I came the year after, a couple of years after you, um, and we visited um, Masjid Al-Aqsa. Mm -hmm. And if you look at the, the 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 Dome of the Rock and the architecture, you look at it and you feel refreshed. And I think when people look at um, learning materials, they should feel refreshed and not bogged down. And that's, that's part of our legacy as Muslim educators, I think, you know. SubhanAllah, like the, the virtue, the virtue of seeking Ihsan in whatever pursuit you do is something that we, that we definitely um, neglect. Do you know what I mean? Because like, you know, the, 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 the Muslims, we have a history of this. Like even, even people in as humble professions as cleaning the masjid, like even mm. in as humble professions as selling fur or something, do you know what I mean? People in the people yeah. doing trade and stuff like, and that's, yeah. that's such a, a virtue that the Muslims upheld that, yeah. that now you're, you're, you're right. Even if we look at sort of the behavior of some of our Islamic institutions and stuff, like sometimes there's, there's even attempt to sort of like underpay people to try to save a little bit of money or like, or mm. even, I don't know, cut corners in other ways. Do you know what I mean? Like, a, that's, yeah. subhanAllah, that's such a, that's such a good thing to kind of have in the name of your work as well. Like you, you, you can't, you probably can't do an hour of work a day without being reminded that, that your project is called Ihsan Arabic. Do, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like there's there's yeah. a reminder for you every day to, 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 to strive to sort of that level of, um, and there's the, yeah, I, I, I think that's, that's a reminder to, for me more than yeah. anything. No, exactly. Yeah. Because it's, it, it's it, being a working as a teacher is such a beautifully rewarding job. And I always come away from a lesson. Um, and, 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 and seriously, like I, I come away from, you know, 95% of lessons. Does that 5%? You know? <laughs> yeah. no, 95% of lessons. I come away very refreshed and I feel 
I feel more inspired. Inspired, you know, they say that you, you learn the most from your students. I learn so much from my students. And, you know, sometimes they ask me a question that just never occurred to me. And that goes straight into the Into Arabic course mm -hmm. because I realize that that's what people need. So okay. it's, it's an organic thing. Um, into Arabic, maybe one day I'll publish it. Maybe one day it will be available for people who don't take the course. But right now it's, it's organic in a sense. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it, it, it's a living thing, you know? You know, um, it is, I found it is really important to be, um, to be practicing engaging with students like yeah because like, because now i do that very little now like i remember yeah. when, when i started out like when i started mm -hmm. teaching arabic and like tutoring people sometimes i'd do 10 hours of lessons a day like sometimes yeah. sometimes yeah. i'd and, and that was even like in london i'd be driving to their houses so it'd be like 14 hours i'd be out of my house driving wow. to those houses yeah. but i noticed like in in the process of me writing the arabic in 60 steps program and me mm -hmm. testing out this material with students actually practically like set in front of them it's yeah. really it was really powerful to actually be a practitioner, actually be someone who's actually using this stuff that I was recording videos on, on yeah. real human beings. And it's, yeah. it's really important to do that. It's really, really yeah. important to do that. And especially teaching online. I mean, I love teaching face-to-face -face as well. Um, but teaching online has been something um, just amazing because, I mean, I'm, I'm, like in, in the space of a day, I, I teach someone in the USA and then I teach you know, a student from right over the, 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 the loads of many places in the world and, you know, the students in Germany, etc. And, and we're, and it's just like, wow, like all these people coming together to usually to be better themselves spiritually. Um, and, and, and I, and, and that's very inspiring. Yeah. Just, and that's something which we, it's one of the benefits of, the technology, I guess. Uh, have you, what, what, what difference have you found actually in the delivery of, of lessons like uh, between sort of tutoring offline and then online? Like, is there anything in particular that sort of stands out about it? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's pros and cons of both. Yeah. yeah. I use a, I use a, a Wacom tablet. Cool. Uh, and that allows me to do a lot of cool stuff, you know, that I, that firstly, efficiency, right. And, you know, right? Let, okay, the average lesson that you've had in your life, let's just take any lesson that you've done, maybe in secondary school, maybe we're going back to secondary school now. How much time did the teacher spend writing, copying out information onto the board? How much time were you waiting? How much time did the teacher spend collecting materials and passing out books? Yeah. Imagine, imagine if all that time the teacher could have been explaining things, giving you one-on-one -on -one help, answering your questions, etc. So that's a beautiful thing. When people take an into Arabic lesson, everything's there. Mm -hmm. All the they call them jumla mufida or jumal mufida, jumla mufida. Um, I used to think it meant useful sentence, okay. but it actually, but it, if you go deeper in the dictionary, it means illustrative sentence. Mm -hmm. So all the illust illustrative sentences there are already there for them. So we can spend all that time looking at those sentences and talking about them. Whereas if I'm writing, you know, if I'm doing a lesson face to face, I'm writing those examples out on the board for them. And that's wasted time. Maybe sure. it's not, you know, people might say that could be wasted time. 
I'm yeah. actually thinking of using a projector when I go back to uh, teaching. You know, like a, it's definitely there are definitely pros and cons, aren't there? Like I remember when I was a primary school teacher, how mm. clunky I felt like the class was. Like yeah, you yeah. get into the room, and I'd have one of the students hand out the books, and then whilst yeah. they were handing out the books, like I'd be clarifying what the learning objective was and what the success criteria were, or something. And yeah. like, and then there's thirty different students, all of completely different levels. Like mm. many of them, English isn't their first language. I think of my thirty-two children. I think 27 of them English wasn't their first language and yeah. you know and like it just it, because of the because of just the you know the practical realities of doing something in person as well as there being so many like so many of that is just streamlined isn't it by firstly doing one-on-one -on -one and then doing online as well like I remember actually like I that down here in Cornwall I remember having some students here who I used to go to their house and then mm. I remember saying to them look like I can do this so much cheaper for you if I don't have to drive, because I don't know if you've been to Cornwall before, but like everything's so far away. Like, yeah, it's like wild west. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah, it is. It is honestly like for yeah. me, like like one of my nearest towns is a place called Truro. Um, it is a city, right? But it's still like uh, four, it's still like forty minutes, right? But that's like yeah. a close one. Like there, mm. there, there's some there's some towns here like Penzance that take me two hours to get to. Like, yeah. but it's all in Cornwall. But anyway, yeah. like I was saying, look, it's so much more practical for us to do it online. And like mm -hmm. when we actually did it online and as soon as they accepted the call, all of the resources were down here on the left. I was yep. here. They could hear me perfectly clearly. Like they could, and even like when they were reading something from the Quran, I could be, I could highlight it and I could share it with them on my yep. screen. Do you know what I mean? And like mm -hmm. having one of those, having one of those Wacom tablets, that's honestly like, like so much of my Arabic and 60, Arabic and 60 steps program is recorded using one of those. And like uh, so many of my tutorials on my YouTube channel with one of those, like, yeah. I, I don't know if I could teach Arabic without it now. <laughs> like, no, like for, for any Arabic teachers watching who like that, that is something that, that they should definitely invest in, inshallah. Cause like you can get a, you get a, you can get a decent one for like 50 quid and you use it forever. You know? Yeah. No, they, 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 it's, it's a really amazing technology. And the, the, the thing is, is when you first get one and you start to use it, you're going to hate it for the first day. And you're going to be like, what is this rubbish? It can't write persevere right yeah. just keep going i had to do it because i was teaching arabic and at first you know my 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 letters were all over the place i used to write in a diagonal line and then <laughs> you know hours and hours and hours and obviously when you uh, people uh, you know i mean when people ask me what i do for a living i say i teach arabic and they say okay but how do you like what's your job and i'm like no 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 i teach arabic all day like so i'm putting in hundreds and hundreds of hours teaching um students and this wacom trusty wacom you know i've suddenly i feel like it's almost just as natural for me to write on the wacom yeah, as yeah. It is to write on paper yeah um, yeah yeah, um, yeah you know now. even even a lot of them like if you if you're prepared to like put in the time to really learn how to use it like even the one that i have is a pretty old one i don't think i can even do this but like you can find like really nice like styles to write in arabic as well like, you can even make it really artistic and aesthetically pleasing if you yeah you know if you, if you take the time to do it it's, yeah yeah it's pretty cool yeah um i thought i i i thought it, it was it's recently ramadan and um i in ramadan you tend to take more of a focus towards the quran in your in your life and um you know we as teachers of arabic we we know that many many people who study arabic that is really central to them to their mission is 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 and it is something which I do find students, they study Arabic for a long time and they still don't understand, they still feel like I'm not understanding the Quran. And um, 
I have students, my into Arabic course does, it's broken down, I say, into three-month um, courses. We have level one, level two, and level three and level four are in the making right now. Um, but then I have students who come to me who are quite advanced, and they've, they've gone through those four. So if you did okay. four into Arabic courses, that would take you about a year. Yeah. Um, but then what about after that? And so we've, we're starting, um, for, for people who do that, we do into Arabic texts. Um, and into Arabic texts is where we take um, really, really beautiful um, Arabic texts. And we, um, we've made very, very well um, presented vocab lists for them. And then we, we do like a chapter. So in the private lesson, you come. And one of the key books we do, which is very popular, especially uh, in the subcontinent, is Qisas uh, and Nabiyin. Yeah. Um, yeah. You've, you must have heard of it. And um, what I say to students is, is the Quran is full of stories, um, like stories of the prophets and messengers. So this book is such a great key to, to understanding the Quran because you're reading in Arabic and a lot of the, the, um, the vocab is very, is exactly the same actually. Yeah. And so, yeah. you know, even you might read the story of Ibrahim and, and he had his father, the name Azara. <clears throat> and then you, you know, then when you read the Quran and you see that word come up, then you're like, oh, okay. And then you can start to follow along the stories. And so I, I, I really feel like it's just something that I've been telling students a lot. Yeah. Is that study Arabic and read this book. That's cool. And it's going to open up a lot. And then, you know, we're moving on to other things like the stories of Tayyib Saleh, um, mm -hmm. the, the, the uh, Sudanese writer, and, and also looking at um, just um, all the texts which I've enjoyed. I'm trying to translate into advanced lessons. You know, students. like... A a lot of what I did, like for, like on, on the Arabic 60 Steps program, the last nine steps are all just Arabic texts. Um, and some of them, to be honest, are they're quite challenging, even for students who have really paid attention. But, mm -hmm. but that's not that, that's not a bit. It's not it's never posed a big problem to the students, because by that time, they also have they also have the research knowledge to be able to search things in an Arabic to Arabic dictionary by that time if, anyway. So but like like a, a lot of it are things that I just took from like final year Arabic like I took like final year Arabic texts and put them at the end of my um, at the end of my program and yeah, like a lot of students can really access them so like so like an example would be um like the the Rihla of Ibn Fadlan where Ibn Fadlan travels to to see the Rus and mm. um and it's just an amazing like little window into like 10th a 10th century Muslim from Iraq who travels yeah. to like you know people who we in the west historically we know them as the vikings although they didn't call themselves the vikings and that's just what we know them as but like yeah. it's just fascinating to see how he saw these people of a different culture and described them and described their religion and their and their customs and stuff in arabic and yeah. so, so a lot of what i did is i just kind of took texts that i loved from my own arabic studies and just kind of repurposed them i have to yeah. be kind of selective with what passages you use because i mean there's some stuff from like I don't know if you've ever read of read the Rihla of Ibn Jubayr. Like you might have read some of it in Palestine. Yes, so Ibn Jubayr. This yeah. is a question I've been meaning to ask you for a long time, actually. Ibn Jubayr, did he know? I've I've heard that he wrote. Was it him? I may get the name wrong. Was it him who who wrote Ibn Battuta's uh, auto down? Because I think Ibn Battuta dictated. I don't uh, dictated his um, Rihla. There's the Rihla of Ibn Battuta. 
and I think he he dictated it. I think it was Ibn Jubair. Well, but... I, I suspect it's probably a different Ibn Jubair because Ibn Jubair is a couple of, a couple of hundred years earlier. Okay, um, okay. Ibn, Ibn Jubair, he dies in like twelve seventeen, ah, I think. Sorry, Ibn Juzay. Ibn Juzay is okay, the one. Okay, okay, oh, okay. He, he was a Moroccan. Um, right. So Ibn Battuta um, um, dictated his 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 um, autobiography to Ibn Juzay. Oh, yeah. okay, that's that's interesting though. Okay, yeah, that's that that makes sense. Yeah, well, um, but yeah, Ibn Ibn, 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 yeah. So like Ibn Jubair. He's mm-hmm. like he's a, such an eloquent writer. Like, like you, you, like you can tell that he is even like in Al Andalus. He's actually from Valencia. He's actually from uh-huh. Valencia. Like we know the city Valencia even even now. Like it's a city that still exists now. But that's yeah, where he was yeah. from. But like even there, he used to be like a poet, and he used to like write letters, write letters for scholars and stuff like that. Like he's he's a really eloquent writer. So even with even with like his text, I needed to be so selective because there's some stuff in there that, that I don't understand. But there, yeah. there's, there's stuff yeah. in his text that I, I don't get. Like, I, you know, I, I need to get help with it because it's, some of it is I, like, I don't know, it's like the equivalent of reading, I don't know, so like I, Beowulf or something. Well, to exactly. us. I tell you a funny story. I was listening to the radio the, the other day and, um, though I, you know, I'm fascinated by languages, not just Arabic, but all languages. And I come from the Midlands. Um, so I was born in, uh, in Birmingham where I live now, but, um, also, I, I spent a lot of time in Burton on Trent, yeah. um, and it's near Repton, um, which is the it's, it's the it's called the capital of Mercia, and Mercia is like the ancient English um, kingdom, kingdom of Mercia, which is the, the the area where where I'm from in in olden times. Anyway, on the radio, there was this um, there was this these scholars. They must have been from Oxford and Cambridge or something somewhere like that, and. They, they were like specialists in a very niche field called like Middle English, which okay. isn't like, it's like in between Old English and, um, you know, Shakespearean. It's like a very, and it was spoken in this area. And they were speaking about, um, yeah, they were, they, were, they were reading out a big um, text written out loud. So we got to hear what it sounded like um, back then. And it sounded like German or... Yeah, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a podcast actually called the History of yeah. English podcast, and yeah, yeah. Um, it's really fascinating because the guy who hosts that podcast, like he he can read Old English and Middle English, and sometimes they're right, like passages, right. and he can read them in Old English and Middle English and Modern English, and it's, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. really fascinating. But sorry, I I, I cut you off though. You're making a point, but I just no, it's to, okay. It's, it's, it's actually I want to tell you about that. <laughs> no, absolutely. I'd, I'd definitely check that. You should put that podcast in the show notes as well. Yeah, inshallah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good shout. I will do. But um. For, for for my purposes, yeah, um, no. Anyway, um, she, it, it sounded like a mixture of German and Danish, or you know, something like yeah. that. And she was, she was reading it out, and it sounded really like, okay, wow, this is quite interesting. And I started, you know, going back and thinking of like old English people walking around in Mercia in like the fields that I used to chill when I was a kid and speaking this language. Anyway, after she finished. The, the news reporter who was like you know one, again one of these like very oxford educated academics was like oh, that's absolutely fascinating he's like he's like is that actually how they sounded <laughs> he was like well to be honest we're kind of just making up as we go along because mm-hmm. we don't even know what they sounded like back then yeah and so when they get a text these the academics for middle english they actually don't know 
what it sounded like. Yeah. So kind of just make it up and base it on other things. Mm. And then it hit me. I was like, how amazing is it that we have Tejweed? So we know exactly. And we, this is the, that text, that Middle English is something like the 1400s. Yeah. And the highest level of academics in the UK have no idea what it sounded like. Yeah. Right. And yet we have such a clear idea of how the Prophet ﷺ and the Sahaba recited the Quran through Tajweed. Yeah. And so I find that. And so when people want to go back and read the books of Ibn Juzay, uh, or even, let's say it, when they want to read the Quran, I have to say to them, or, you know, we'll take an, uh, a different example, uh, something people say, I want to read Bukhari or something. And I say to them, that's language, but it's also written a long time ago. So if you want to understand Bukhari, you've got to study Arabic, and then you finish studying Arabic with me, you go and see a history teacher. <laughs> yeah? yeah? And learn about the history and the context of the, at the time. And then learn about language through history. Mm. And, you know, there's people, do, like, you can't expect to learn modern-day Arabic or, or any sort of Arabic. And so learning about Ibn Jose, learning about... Uh, Bukhari and learning the language of, of uh, first and foremost the Quran, you, th those, those are written within, you know, well, not the Quran, of course, the Quran is revealed, but those books are within a context which you need to know the history of yeah. as well. To, so, um, yeah, to, to kind of build on that point a little bit, right? There's, there's something I've been thinking about a little bit recently, something that's such a beautiful thing about our religion, right? You imagine all of the prophets have ever come before us, right? Mm -hmm. If you to think if any of them were to come back and speak to us the way they spoke to their people, are there any of them other than the Messenger of Allah وسلم, who we would understand them? So like, so for example, if yeah, Moses yeah. was to return mm -hmm. and he was to speak to us in the Hebrew or ancient Egyptian or whatever he spoke in, mm -hmm. like even modern Hebrew speakers, I expect, would not understand him. Right? Yeah. Yeah, or, or, yeah. E or even if Jesus salam, returned and spoke, you know, Aramaic, Aramaic. or Hebrew yeah. or all the Greek that he spoke, I suspect, mm. I suspect, well, I mean, his native, native language is pretty much agreement was Aramaic, but you know, there's, there's contention around whether he spoke others. But anyway, if he were to return and speak the Aramaic that he spoke, he yeah. would not be understood by anybody. But like within, for us to have inherited the language that our beloved messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, spoke, there's even the science of Tajweed down to something which can be passed down to generations, but, but it can't be corrupted in the same way because the books even have really clear explanations of where in the mouth the, the connection should be and stuff yeah. in the mouth. Do you know what I mean? That's like a centuries-old tradition that the Muslims have. Yeah. So like, it's not, not only is it the fact that like when, like when, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, um, um, what's the wording of it? There's, a, there's an ayah in Surah Al-Qiyamah. Um, um, and, it, and it's upon us to bring it a bit together and the recitation of it, right? And like Allah was not lying to us. Like Allah yeah. was not lying to us when he said that, that, the recit that, that he would preserve the recitation of it for us. Because like it's yeah. something that even cannot be said about any of the other prophets that came before them. That like, that like now we would actually, we could actually have a direct relationship yeah. with the messenger well, of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. It's a miracle, right? It's yeah. a miracle in the Arabic language. And it's why well it's, it's not one of the it's not the only reason but it's it's amongst the reasons why i feel like it's a really understudied area 
yeah um, uh, yeah i mean something we something we do um in our into arabic lessons is we have we have a lot of into arabic specials um which are uh, yeah i call them i call them specials because they're not really within the course framework okay but they pop up every now and then if i feel like we need one cool so we had into arabic ramadan special where nice. we just learned loads of words for food and we learned loads of words for things um you know things which you can say in Ramadan, you know, um, uh, little du'as that you can say, you know, and then we ha we ha I have a lesson on Ibn Battuta and um, we studied the, we, we studied the, geog uh, the geography and then I'm like, Aina dhahaba Ibn Battuta, you know, simple fusa. And they say, dhahaba Ibn Battuta ila al-Maghrib wa ila al-Hijaz. Well, and they, they get to practice their country names. That's so cool. But it makes it more engaging, especially again for younger students. And, That's so cool. and you know, it within a context. So the Ibn Battuta special, the Ramadan special, and I'm adding more specials. I want I'm doing one at the moment on Islamic uh, arts. So okay. they get to learn about uh al uh, Khat, you know, the calligraphy and you know the Arab Islamic architecture and just express that in the Arabic language as well. Man, I love it when there's like I love it when there's educational stuff, but it's almost like students aren't, they don't really know they're learning. Like there's, there's yeah. like a, a, a story or a challenge or like a, um, or something else that they're learning about. And they're almost, you, you, they're almost tricking themselves into learning Arabic. <laughs> like it's, I, I love stuff like that. Like I often kind of credit, um, I don't know if you've heard of the author of, um, of the kite runner, um, Khaled Hosseini is an Afghan, um, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Afghan American. He and did like a I'm not, sons, right? Yeah, that was his second yeah. book. Yeah, and then the hills echo, or the mountains echoed, or something. I think it's his third mm -hmm. one, but or something like that. But anyway, like I remember when I read his books when I was like sixteen or seventeen or something. Even even before I embraced Islam, I remember mm -hmm. after I read his books, like I felt like I knew so much about Afghanistan. Like, yeah. Yeah. I, I wasn't studying Afghanistan. Like, I wasn't picking yeah. them up as like Afghan uh, like studies on the Pashto language or, or on Afghanistan. Yeah. But like, yeah. because there was a narrative and there was like a journey built built into it, I'd almost learned loads about the Afghan people behind yeah. my own back without realizing it. Like, a, yeah. you know, whenever you can incorporate that kind of, you know, that that kind of thing into our lessons is, is something that I think is really special. Like, so something like that, where you've, you know, you, you've got students within one lesson learning about, you know, putting together relatively simple sentences which is what they need around yeah. a story that is contextually so significant to what they're learning and it's all just tied yeah. up into one one nice little lesson mashallah um, yeah that sounds well, really well, nice yeah and 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 that and i think again that's all goes down to the main thing which i feel is that inspiration which you have to keep alive as a teacher yeah. um and that's one of the main reasons i think private tuition is relevant still in this world where you have so much um resources online and so much um amazing stuff which you can access and a lot of people will access that stuff um but the inspiration i think a lot of people they come they come to the private tuition for that um but yeah no, i agree and, and accountability and stuff that people where people when they're when they're being real with themselves they need yeah do you know what i mean they, like my, my disappointed face you know um when they went, you know, well, yeah, <laughs> they didn't. They didn't learn that they were. They, 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 they tell me that uh, a tabib means student, and uh, yeah, <laughs> and, and, you know, my face palms is unforgivable. It's absolutely yeah. unforgivable. Subhanallah, yeah, yeah. subhanallah, man. So, um, 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, now we've, we've nearly gone up to an hour, but I feel like I could spend another hour with you. Like, maybe I need to get you on again sometime. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, love, I love catching up with the old son. You know? It doesn't feel like an hour's gone, does it? <laughs> like, no, right, like, right. Ne- like, nearly an hour is gone, but... Um, maybe what we'll do, um, maybe just to round it up, is maybe we go through like a very brief sort of um, run through of, 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 of how we got here. Maybe we'll just spend 10 minutes just okay. talking about sort of how, how does Habib Ali go from being like 16 to, uh-huh. um, to now where, um, where we, have, um, we have Ihsan Arabic. So, um, so firstly, you kind of mentioned that you grew up, um, is it Burton on Trent, yeah? Yeah, well, yeah, I, I, I grew up in Burton-on-Trent. I yeah. always get that like, confused with Stoke-on-Trent. I assume the Trent's a river, isn't it, I assume? Yeah. Um, it, it goes it, through some other places. Okay, yeah. cool. So, um, so where, where, do, where does Habib, what, what does Habib do after school? Because you, you, you were home educated, right? Maybe we'll talk about that in another episode. But, yeah. Um, but, so what, what did you do after that when you were 16? Did you do A-levels? Um, yeah, so I, I did. I, I, I went to school when I was 14. Um, okay. I was home educated up to that. I did GCSEs yeah. at school, um, and then I, I went and did, I, I went away for a year, and uh, I studied um, I studied the Quran, um, in uh, just memorization of the yeah. Quran in in a madrasa in, in a boarding madrasa in in uh, Mallorca, which is part of the Balearic Islands between yeah. Morocco and Spain. Did you have uh, to learn? Did you have to learn Spanish when you were there? I didn't have to, but I did end up learning. Quite a lot of Spanish. Cool. Um, was the um, was the language of teaching there um, mostly English? Uh, the language of teaching was Arabic. Wow. Um, okay, mashallah. And our, our, our teacher spoke Arabic to us, and we spoke back in whatever language we were speaking at the time. <laughs> okay, and, sure. I mean, my teacher. I mean, I, I, we lived with our teacher, and mm. he, you know, it was the the setting of the madrasa was a farm, and him uh, and uh, the, my my teacher Sidi Amr, um, he lived with his family, and he he, he um, would come every morning, eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner with us, and you know we'd be studying from very very long hours from from the morning uh, Fajr time, and then we'd finish sometimes even after Isha, mm. usually a little bit before Isha, depending on the season, you know. Um, yeah. And Sidi Amr would be with us all the time, and he'd. He, we, I, I felt like I, could, I didn't speak his language, I didn't speak Arabic at the time, um, but I definitely communicated with him. Mm. Um, man, and, that's that's beautiful, man. Like, I, I will definitely book you in, inshallah, for us to have another conversation. Because, like, going to madrasa, like a boarding madrasa in Mallorca, that's mm-hmm. that's pretty unique. Like, it would be nice for us to kind of talk a little bit more in detail about that experience. Because yeah, a lot of people kind of. I, I remember when you. I remember yeah. when you told me about that when I met you. And some yeah. of, some of the brothers that I was friends with were like. I think he's making it up. Like I think he just went on like a lad's holiday for a year. <laughs> if, it, if it's Mallorca, I think he's making it up. Yeah. So, so yeah. you were, so you're in Mallorca. So you'd have been like, you'd have been like 16, right? When yeah, I was 16. I spent, I spent uh, just under a year there. Okay. Um, and then I came back and I did my A levels. Um, in what? Uh, ah, my A levels. I did uh, English, uh, Spanish, history, and theatre studies. Oh, well. mashallah! You did four. Yeah. Oh, mashallah! Yeah, and yeah, well, m- m- yeah, most. Most people here, they only have to do three. I did four as well, like a civilized person like you, but most of these savages, they only have to do three, don't they? They're slacking. Yeah, yeah they're slacking. <laughs> and, you know, we had the choice. You know, we, we didn't have to go to school for further education. When, well, for, I certainly didn't. Yeah. Nowadays, no, I didn't either, yeah. yeah. 
Um, but we, yeah, so I did that. And that's where I kind of fell in love with studying languages. Um, and then I, I went to SOAS, uh, I, yeah, straight after that, really. Yeah, and okay, cool. Moved to London, obviously, is where I met you cool. um, when we were living in, in, in student halls there. Um, yeah. 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 And then, um, so yeah, third year, um, when you went to Palestine, what were the options? What were the study options? There were many during our years. There was okay. Morocco, there was um, Jordan, Palestine and Egypt. So there were four. Yeah, there's four. Like when, when we went, it was so close to only being Jordan. Like in the wow. year, it was so close to just being only Jordan. That was the only option. Because like no Egypt... <laughs> Sorry? Like the SOAS program just changes all the time. Like... Yeah, it does. It does. Yeah, yeah, it does. Honestly, when, when, when I applied um, yeah. to study Arabic at SOAS, they were yeah. still offering Syria. Wow. Makes it feel like so long ago, doesn't it? They were still offering Syria as the year abroad. And lots of people that I know applied because they wanted to go to Syria on the year abroad. And then obviously, you know, yeah. it, it, it didn't work out that way. But, but I, I wanted to go to Egypt initially. But then like the, the prospect of Palestine and being able to go to Masjid al-Aqsa, um, that just warmed, warmed to me so much. It, um, I don't know, so, so, something just sort of came over me and I, 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 don't, I made that decision. But what, why was it that you, you chose to go to Palestine specifically? Um, I really liked the uh, I, I I really liked the dialect of that area, the Shami mm -hmm. dialect, um, and also I just felt that like I would this is like a once in a lifetime opportunity to spend a whole year there. Yeah. Um, um, and you know to spend a whole year um, in Palestine, it's nothing never going to really happen again. Mm -hmm. um, um, so yeah, I I, I I I that's why I went there. Um, and and yeah, and also yeah. you know I was, I was like. The, there's a lot of significance for us as Muslims with with uh, the the, the Masjid al-Aqsa as well. So that was that that these were kind of the the main things. But um, yeah, I was I, I I'm really glad I made that decision actually. Yeah, same, but, same. Yeah. You know, I I would love to take my wife and my children one day, but like I I don't know. There, there there's certain discomforts out there. Obviously, just just with the security and stuff. There's some discomforts. I don't know. I don't know how I'd feel about seeing my sons. In that and my wife in um in in that sort of sort of environment, but I, I don't want that to stop me though. Did you know what I mean? Because there's there's so much that's beautiful about Palestine without the occupation. Do, do you know what yeah. I mean? Like there's there's so many things that's still beautiful about like these about about this amazing culture and people and stuff with without having to kind of talk about the politics in it. But and it's it's a shame yeah. to sort of be deterred because of some inconvenience. You know, I'd, I'd love to go back, but. Yeah, no, we'll, we'll see inshallah because I, I don't know as well because obviously my wife's from Somalia obviously as well and like I, I don't know if that makes it a bit more complicated for her as well um, she, she holds a British passport but she but she holds a Somali passport as well and yeah. uh, and, then, and obviously she's visually obviously a Somali so, so yeah. like you know there's you know I, I don't know but we'll, we'll yeah. see inshallah anyway but then so so obviously you, you come back and then yeah. um do you do you meet your do you meet your wife when you come back from Palestine? No, I had actually known my wife a long time. Uh, like, as in, she 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 was someone on our course, you know. Oh, okay. So you were on the yeah. same course and like yeah, in the same year and stuff as well. Yeah, she became Muslim at, while we were in Palestine. Oh, mashallah. Uh, yeah, and then yeah, and then we we got married. Was she um, was she well looked after by the sisters out there? Yeah, 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 yeah mashallah. That's really nice. Very very amazing. That was, I mean, every that we had we had very amazing company in Palestine and. Mm -hmm. That was probably the, the absolute highlight of going there was the the people and their their uh, 
Husnul Diyafa, you know, that they, they really received us in an amazing way. Yeah. No, I, I 100% experienced that as well. Like, I, yeah, I definitely experienced that. So something that is still to this day, one of the most striking things to me is like the, the level of Islam among the children. That was something that really struck me. Like I remember at the, the masjid where we used to pray. I don't know if you, you might even recognize it. You know, you know, the, um, the Edime, the, uh, the old campus. Um, so sort of if you go downhill, um, down the long side of it, there's like a supermarket on the right hand side. Um, I don't know if you remember yeah. that. Um, and then like there's a little alleyway up the right. That's where we lived. We lived up that little alleyway on the right. But then right. if you go down a little bit further, um, there's a left turning down to a masjid. And we okay. used to pray, we used to pray there, and um, and there was like this group of children that always play football and stuff outside the masjid, and they yeah. were like they were the first in there on the front row for like every salah. It, it was you know subhanallah like it's, yeah. it's so beautiful, man. Like it, you know like it's that, it, yeah, it's like it's that, very it's very natural to to practice Islam in Palestine because mm. it's, it's just it's just that uh, it feels like the most normal thing you could possibly do. Yeah, Whereas exactly. A lot of time in England, you feel a bit like an alien yeah. when you, someone catches you with your feet in the sink at service. <laughs> but, um, but, uh, yeah. but in Palestine, I felt like I just felt for the first time in my life as a Muslim who'd grown up in the West that I was normal. And, that, yeah. and that's a weird feeling. I feel like yeah. something, that, something that was so like that, that made it so nice for me was like I, I embraced Islam when I was 17. Like I'm still living at home with my family. And then yeah. like I go to uni and stuff, but I'm still coming back in the holidays. I'm still living at home with my family. So like I've prayed for like six years, constantly thinking about a parent coming in the door when I'm praying. Like, not, mm. not that it would bother me, but it's just a disturbance, isn't it? Like it's or, yeah. or constantly thinking that like someone's going to turn up at the door who wants to see me and yeah. someone's going to disturb me in my salah. Like, like years of that. And then like to be able to go to Palestine and just connecting with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made the most easy thing <laughs> do you know what I mean like it's you know everything like you, you just pray in, you just pray in public if you want like, it's no yeah. biggie like if you know some, sometimes like down in you know sometimes like down in, in the old city and stuff like if we went down there for Knefa in the evening yeah. sometimes people are just praying jama'ah like out in the street <laughs> like if, you know the, it's a time or whatever they're just praying jama'ah like out in the street and stuff it's, it's made yeah. the most easy thing subhanallah Absolutely. I have to say that's one of the perks of living in Birmingham, you know, like it's so, it's so, there is a beauty of Birmingham in that you can just practice the Islam very, very nicely like that. I mean, yeah. like, like down in the restaurants and stuff, there's a, a beautiful restaurant actually called Al Qamar. Um, okay. And they have a prayer area, you know, and, and, sure, you, yeah. and you just tell them that you, 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 you want to do the prayer that they, 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 They'll give you everything you need, and it's very normal, you know. Yeah. You know, I've, I've got a lot of love for Birmingham. You know, like when, when we were living in Northampton, we, we'd yeah. go over to Birmingham quite a lot because my wife has quite a lot of friends over in Birmingham. Um, yeah. Like, obviously, a lot, a lot, most of my audience know that my wife's hard of hearing, and like a lot of her mm -hmm. friends are deaf, and like there's yeah. a quite a big deaf Muslim community in Birmingham. And yeah. Um, yeah, we'd go over there to go and see, see, see a lot of her friends and stuff a lot of the time. And I, I found myself over at Star City a lot. There's a Costa over there at Star City. You, you, I'm sure you know where yeah, that is. There's a bit of Nando's as well. Star yeah, there's Town. a Nando's there. There's Halal as well, isn't it, about Nando's? Yeah, yeah there's yeah. a Tinseltown as well. Never got to take my, I'd like to take my kids there. They'd like the burgers and the milkshakes. But, uh, yeah, yeah, no, it's a great... It, 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 Birmingham gets a bad rep, but it's actually... Um, there's a lot, yeah, it's a really nice place to live. No, I like really, it there, man. Yeah, I like it yeah. there.
No, All right, no. okay, we should probably wrap this up, bro. Well, well, we'll wrap this up and then we can carry on having a bit of a conversation for a little while afterwards anyway. Yeah, but like, well, um, it, it, like, just to end, is there anything else that you kind of want to announce? Like, is there anything else kind of coming up? I know we've talked about a lot already, but like, if there's anything in particular that, um, you know, you yeah, just want to let mean, people know about, then go ahead. Address, yeah, in terms of just addressing your audience, I'd, I'd, I'd like to say one thing that I'm putting a lot of focus in at the moment is, is uh, the Instagram. So uh, ihsan.arabic on Instagram, if you check that out, I'm, I'm often posting like little nuggets of things you can, you know, like about Arabic patterns or cool. useful books you can learn. It's, just, it's a really great, uh, I have to say, it's a, it's a good page for Arabic students or anyone. No, it is. I, I, I follow you as well. And I'll, I'll personally yeah. vouch for that as well. I'll, I'll put your handle at the bottom of the screen as well when I edit this, inshallah, as well. So, yeah, um, and just, I say stay tuned, but if you follow us on Instagram, that's probably the best way to stay tuned. I've got lots of, lots of things coming down the pipeline. Obviously, we, we teach privately. Um, we do group lessons online as well. Um, so, you know. So, so literally, uh, like, what, like one of my audience, they yeah. could go to your website and they could probably meet you next week if they wanted to. Like they yeah, could probably be a, in your class next week. For the consultation. We do free consultations, half an hour. And oh, amazing. Can, yeah. Amazing. Yeah, then, yeah, we'll sort something out. But, um, but yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm very, very almost to being, you know, we're gonna to have to we have some groups and stuff because there's just a couple of slots left which i have so um cool. definitely get in touch um 100%. but um yeah so um but yeah follow the instagram because always you know new slots come available and yeah. um yeah it's it's, it's, it's it's a great thing to be able to teach uh it's a great honor to be able to teach and it's an honor to be on your show sam jazakallah khair for coming on bro i really appreciate your time yeah well yeah well, yeah all okay. right well, take care inshallah goodbye everybody see you later so I really hope that you guys enjoyed that show, inshallah. Um, just a couple of quick announcements just before you go and watch a cat video or something on YouTube. Um, so one thing is that I will be opening My Arabic World and the Arabic in 60 Steps program on the 6th of July, inshallah. The plan is to open My Arabic World, um, you know, just for as many new students who want to be part of it. And um, for the Arabic in 60 Steps program, we're going to do a, we're going to do kind of a, we're going to kind of do like a, what do you call it, like a cohort, we're going to kind of take like a batch of 60 students, we already have 160 students on the waiting list for it, so I think that it will fill up pretty quickly, so if you want to be part of it, then please don't, don't hesitate, don't dilly-dally, just, just get yourself stuck in, inshallah, so that'll be the 6th of July, put that date in your calendars, so what we're going to do is, we'll launch it at the same price as what it was before, it won't be, the price won't increase at all, but because you guys are helping me out by all joining at the same time, um, I'm going to do a discount for you. So it, as soon as we fill the 60, I'm going to reimburse all of you 20%, right? So because you've saved me that amount of money by just doing it all at one time so I can do all the books and all the postage all at one time. So yeah, so because you've saved me money, I'm really, really happy to pass that saving back on to you guys, inshallah. So it's a team effort. Let's fill it up. Let's all get a discount. Let's all learn some Arabic. Have a really good day, guys. Assalamu alaikum.